Taxpayer Alert. I'm Al Sagala. I'll be your moderator. I'm also president of the Calaveras County Taxpayer Association. And we just love to get information to you about what's going on in the county. Usually we have government officials uh, that talk about activities, but every once in a while we also talk about what's going on in the industry. In this case, it's a real estate industry. And our guest this session is Denise Bailey from First American Title. And she has some experience in this, and she'll tell you what that is. Denise, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And so you've been at it for a while. Yes, actually, I started with First American Title about six months after graduating from high school. Oh, a couple years ago. Yes. <laughs> uh, February of 1989. So okay. that's when I had started. Uh, I had uh, I had senioritis when I was in kindergarten. So I had a really hard time. And when I got out of high school, I'm like, you know what? I want to find a career that I can get involved with. Right. And in all honesty, I did not even realize what a title company was. I in all honesty, thought it was a tile company that I was interviewing for. <laughs> I had no idea. So uh, I got the job and I started out as a typist. So I was typing title policies on a typewriter with carbon paper, mm -hmm. and uh, which we so don't have nowadays. <laughs> I, I remember those years. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I had been working in it for a couple of months and a lot of people said, what's a title company? What do you do? And I'm like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And so one day I took a title policy home and I started reading it from page one to page to the last page and realizing what we do as an insurer. And so then I moved into uh, the title plant and I became a title searcher and examiner. So my focus was uh, searching title properties that we did not have a base on all the way back to the late 1800s when the United States first patented to the very next person. So, oh. so I searched property, so it's like detective work, and I also had to draw out five-page legal descriptions with a protractor and a pencil and a section map so uh, to make sure if certain documents had affected our property at one point. So it was great. In, it was great experience. So I did that for several years, and then I moved into the escrow department and worked myself up from receptionist all the way up to escrow officer for many, many years, and uh, over in the Angels camp office, and then. I moved into escrow ops manager, so focusing on the escrow operations of uh, back then we had nine offices and, and uh, uh, let's see, nine offices and 64 employees in the last, uh, in uh, the Tri-County area and then um, in the downturn of the market we got down to two offices and then... What year was that? 
That was probably the 2008-ish, between 2007 to 2009, that time range, we moved down to only two offices. I remember those years. Which was not a fun time to be in management, I'll tell you. Thank you very much. Or real estate. <laughs> yes, exactly. So then when our region merged with another region that already had an escrow manager, they said, so Denise, what do you want to do? You've done it all. And I said, well, I just don't know that you can pay me enough money to be chained to an escrow desk again. The only thing I haven't tried is sales, and I don't know how well I deal with rejection, but let me give it a shot, and I fell in love with sales, and I've been in sales ever since. So what do you sell? So we sell title insurance. So essentially, I guess I should say, as far as the sales reps, we really focus on the relationship with the real estate agents and partnering with them and providing them the tools and the resources that they need to be able to uh, uh, be able to understand and work with their clients and come together. The title company is a third uninterested party that uh, handles all the uh, the escrow portion. So there's an escrow portion and a title portion in our industry. Right. So the title portion focuses on putting the preliminary uh, title or the preliminary report together that um, has all the information of recorded information against the property and provide us a background of what we have to work with. Do we have any clouds on title that we need to um, to help the clients uh, fix in order to be able to sell to provide clear title to the new buyer and then escrow handles all the paperwork all the parties there's a lot of parties I think one time we sat down and, and thought about all the parties and you could have up to 20 people 20 in, uh, uh, individuals in part of your uh, transaction when you go down to the seller and the buyer and the lender and the septic uh, and you, yeah exactly you start adding those all up you can have a lot of um, a lot of hands in the pot so to speak and right. that's our job as escrow to make sure that it all comes together and that everyone is following the contract that has because um, we work by contractually uh, that we have an agreement and we make sure once we get the monies that everything is taken care of and and paid for from the proceeds before we give the final proceeds to the seller and so that way the buyer has clear title and we're also ensuring that there is no one that is going to be able to come back later on and say wait a second I found this deed in grandma's old chest of drawers here and we did some homework and it looks like she never deeded off so there's a problem here we need to go to court well if they didn't have title insurance they'd need to fight that fight on their own yeah. and with title insurance they have us to be able to jump in the gap and and help out with that right so in order to have a document valid against a property, it needs to be recorded in the county recorder's office? That is correct. 
That is correct. And there's a couple of documentations for deeds when you're passing title. There is an uninsured deed and an insured deed. An insured deed means that it has gone through the title company. And we know in our title industry that any title company is going to do their due diligence to make sure that it was a proper notary, that the notary uh, notarized the seller and the seller was not in duress, that it was the seller, in fact, that was signing, and that the title company is doing all their due diligence to make sure that they uh, they had the authority and capacity to do the signing and there was no one else that needed to be involved and if there was we took care of that before that point right. and then uh, then uh, that deed is recorded now an uninsured deed is when uh, you pass title when you do a deed from one person to another and you don't go through a title insurance uh, company so um, that's the difference between an insured deed and an uninsured deed. We mm -hmm. have a great, uh, there, I mean, Abraham Lincoln lost his home like three times. So uh, it, that's when title insurance started becoming really popular, uh, was in the early 1900s. No, a cloud and a title <coughs> is not really uh, water vapor. It, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's something on the title that questions whether it's legitimate or not, is that right? Yeah, that's, that's a great way of explaining it. So uh, a cloud can be many things. A cloud is just saying that, you know, it's just like when you have, when you can see through the water and it's clear, it's great. But when it's cloudy, you can't really see. There is, there's, and a cloud in the title means that the, the title is not completely clear. There is some issues. So there can be many issues. So you also, um, you have people that have deeded back and forth and sometimes they don't a lot of times when uh, people do deeds on their own, they don't know enough in the industry to make an informed decision of how to prepare that document and why it's so important to have names exactly the way they were and when they get married how to address that on the deed. Uh, so there's a lot of things that can happen. Uh, it's not one particular thing that can cloud a title so to speak, but those are very common clouds. Is is having deeds going back and forth and not full knowledge of understanding the clearest way of handling it, which causes perceptions and, and gaps that we have to make sure are cleaned up and tightened up uh, before we can insure the new buyer with clear title insurance. Well, an example could be uh, uh, a person that's married uh, uh, not disclosing it's sold in separate property, mm -hmm. so there would be a cloud of uh, marital, uh, uh, po po probably uh, uh, possession uh, rights of wife. Yes, uh, one of the common clouded problems we used to have, not as much today. I've not I've noticed, but. It does happen where uh, they will deed from, uh, let's say, a husband deeds to a wife or what have you. 
the state of California is a community property state. So there is, you, regardless of whether your name is on title or not, you have a community property interest in the state. So the problem comes is when you have a husband or a wife or an ex-wife or an ex-husband deed off, if there's not that express verbiage in the deed that states that the grantor, the one deeding off, understands they are severing their community property interest in the state, if that verbiage is not on that deed, that's intended that that is still, that they still have the property, community property interest. And that can cause a problem when that ex-spouse is no longer around or there's not a, uh, uh, or dies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, deceased or it's not an amicable split and amicable relationships of having to get them to sign another deed of doing it properly with the correct verbiage. So that can cause a lot of problems too. So wow. it's kind of complicated. It is very complicated. In fact, uh, when I got into the business, my children would try to ask me and there's not three or four words that you can put together to say what I do. It, it takes uh, several paragraphs, <laughs> which is confusing for young ones, too, and for old ones. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, we, we know what title insurance is now, um, and we need to know about that. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the <clears throat> things that uh, are concerned in real estate transactions are tax liens. Mm -hmm. And these are are discovered when the title company searches the records mm -hmm. and it shows up there. Mm -hmm. And so a tax lien uh, is more, it, uh, it, it precedes or it's more important than other types of liens. The tax lien comes first and then mortgages and other kinds of liens after that. Is that right? Yeah, so we search for, when we put together the preliminary report, we search for any and all liens that either are against the property or against the property owner's name that will attach to any property that they own. So the federal tax liens and state tax liens are such that they don't have the specific property address on the lien itself, but it attaches to any property they own. So it is something that has to be addressed. And yes, that, that um, so when you're in escrow, there are two title policies that are provided when a buyer is purchasing with a loan. There is the owner's title policy, which I explained uh, earlier, is the ownership title policy, or I'm uh, not, not title policy, yeah, title insurance policy for them, uh, for covering for them. And then there's the lender's title policy that covers the lender and ensuring them in first lien position. So we have to make sure that all the liens that are currently on the property and against the homeowner's name are addressed in escrow prior to because we are guaranteeing the lender through our title policy that they are in first lien position. Right. So yes, we do have to address those and we do have to take care of those and uh, make sure that those are paid through escrow if there's monies due or get a zero demand to be able to record it and clear that off of the public records. Now some of the liens uh, <clears throat> are not just for taxes but for improvements like solar, is that right? 
That is exactly right. So when a solar company puts in their equipment, a lot of times the equipment is leased and there is a monthly amount that the homeowner pays uh, as opposed to have given them a lump sum money for the entire equipment, they pay a certain amount every single month. So the solar company will file a UCC uh, or we've seen uh, sometimes... What's a UCC? So it's the Uniform Commercial Code that, re, uh, is, that deals with sales of uh, goods and uh, fixtures that are part, uh, that are not permanent uh, real is, is once it's, it's not affixed to the permanently to the property so um, solar falls into that aspect so uh, that will oftentimes the lenders will require the the solar company to subordinate their lien to the new lenders lien uh, or there can be options where the seller will pay off the remaining amount well, from the funds from the, mm -hmm. from the they will pay yeah. off the the and pay all the equipment and then we get a zero demand and re a release for the solar and then uh, the buyer has that uh, free and clear with the as far as the um, equipment is taken care of um, other times uh, solar companies will agree to terminate the the UCC so we can record the uh, the new deed of trust with the buyer when they're purchasing and then they make an agreement with the new buyer and then they record again after they're in ownership so it goes underneath or behind the deed of trust uh, uh, lien so that way uh, they're back in second position. Okay, <clears throat> so it's if you have a lien um, against your property for your solar system you put in and you want to sell it, sell the property you can do so without having to clear that loan. Is that right? Repeat that question. Uh, if there's a solar lien on your property, mm -hmm. uh, are you? Uh, do you have to? Does it have to be paid off if you sell the property? So there, if if they're getting a loan, most lenders are going to want to have clear indication that the solar lien company is clearly subordinating and agreeing to go be behind the deed of trust. So they have there's certain documentation that needs to be filed and recorded stating that in public records. Okay. Um, or sometimes the uh, lender will not allow th that and they will ask it to be totally, completely paid off and paid in full. Mm -hmm. And then that will be negotiations that are made between the seller and buyer of is this um, the seller going to do it? Is the buyer going to do it? Are they going to split a certain amount? They make that negotiations and then tell us how to handle it and then we take care of that in escrow. All right. <clears throat> Did I answer your question? But not that yes. Huh? Yeah. Uh, uh, some of the things that title companies do uh, is to help uh, the real estate industry run smoother. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, you you have uh, a helping uh, uh, helping uh, activity uh, for real estate agents, which includes. Uh, uh, Property profiles, escrows, preliminary reports, uh, recordings, farming, pros prospecting, and then uh, getting comparable sales to try to do evaluations. Boy, that's a lot of 
a lot of talent right there and a lot of value. It is. Uh, we call it our Batman tools. So <laughs> in helping you and the, the, and the real estate agents in the business, uh, our job is to partner with them and provide them with the resources and the tools to help them uh, with uh, the informational part of that. Um, obviously, MLS does a lot of it, provides a lot of information for them as well. And uh, uh, and all title companies have great resources that they can have available. Like I know that we have a platform that we can sign our agents up for that provides them property profiles, copies of recorded documents that have been recorded in the county. They can get uh, CCNRs, which is covenants, conditions, and restrictions uh, against a parcel. They can get maps. They can... Um, also farm areas where they can actually search an area and find uh, homeowners that are that analytically are more likely to sell to uh, try to find uh, because the, the um, the industry right now, uh, inventory is very, very low, so it is definitely, uh, farming and prospecting is a great thing to do to help increase some of that inventory. Yeah. And it's a great time to, to buy and sell right now. Yeah, Still. also, uh, <clears throat> just being able to uh, not have to hire an appraiser to get comparable sales is uh, a big help. Yeah, you know, obviously the appraisal has to be involved uh, in when they when they're purchasing with a loan, but it is nice to be able to have access. And I know I, my, our program has, and I'm sure the other title companies as well, have a program where our comparable sales um, can have everything that's recorded regardless of what MLS company it went through. Right. So that's very helpful um, to be able to pull those comps, to be able to put a, uh, an, a good uh, idea for the, the owner uh, of what the, a good comparable is for the amount of um, to make the, the, the listing price and then ultimately the selling price. One of the things I noticed as a, uh, as a real estate broker was the incredible amount of paperwork that, is, that has happened over the last uh, 50 years. It used to be a purchase agreement was two pages. Now it's like 41 pages and you haven't even opened escrow yet. Yeah, it, I know even when I, when I, I, you know, it's been 32 years, I guess it is. Uh, you know, it was three pages, a spit and a handshake, and it, that was it. And well, We didn't do any spitting. <laughs> Definitely not now. But, um, but and, and that's just a joke, obviously. It was about three pages uh, long, three or four pages long when I got into the industry. And, yeah, it is it's just astronomical. And, of course, you know, when there's... Uh, things that go wrong, they determine, oh, well, here's something good that we should add to the contract, and unfortunately that will take three pages to write that, mm -hmm. and they just become longer and longer, so. Well, I think uh, part of the problem is that uh, uh, we have a, a case, a lawsuit, which uh, uh, might have been for failure to disclose or something like that, and then uh, to protect the real estate industry, the attorneys that work for the real estate industry come up with a form that, if signed by the buyer, would not allow them to sue for that one thing. And so, but these, that one thing adds up to uh, page after page after page. In my opinion, 
the more complicated the paperwork is, the higher the likelihood of there being a mistake or an omission on the part of the agent. Okay. You know, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're human beings. Mm -hmm. And so here they could be in trouble for an omission because the paperwork was so overwhelming. And I'm wondering if it might be better to uh, get uh, more uh, freedom-friendly attorneys hmm. in the real estate industry to see what can be done to reduce this paperwork. Hmm. I'm, I'm sure it can be done. It's just a question of how to go about it without uh, sacrificing, yeah. you know, something. Yeah, it, 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 is, it, it can be very overwhelming and intimidating for people that yeah. really are not experienced in this or they haven't done it in a long time or just regardless, just because of all the paperwork involved. Yeah, um, I, I've noticed that when people, buyers or sellers, uh, sign documents, they don't read them. They look for the yellow mark, word initial. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, most of the time it's not like you're going to be able to have the ability to line through all these things and put your initials by and, and have the other entity, the entity that prepared the documents, uh, say, oh yeah, that's acceptable to have you cross that out. So that's, that's another hard thing. Um, you know, obviously they need to really pay attention to the most important things, which is what are they agreeing to for their interest rate and, you know, yeah. the, the terms of their loans, etc. But yes, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff on there that you just don't have, you know. The good thing is with escrow, they can sign, um, Sometimes it's signing very quickly and you're closing very quickly, but sometimes you have a couple of days before you close escrow. And one thing with escrow is they can, um, any party, even after they've signed, they can either verbally or send an information and say, wait, hold the phone. I need to have something checked out before we close escrow. And we, as a third uninterested party, need to stop and say, okay, you guys come into an agreement and see how you're going to handle that or make sure you get the information that you need to feel comfortable to continue back and going with that with how we have uh, contractually put that in there, or is there going to be an addendum? Are there going to be new terms that we need to be aware of? Right. And if there are new terms that need to have another signature or changes in the statement, we can do that. It's not over until it has closed escrow, and um, that is, is helpful. And that's what we will tell people. Okay, you know what? Just because you're signing today, if you have questions, we won't, we will not close escrow until you tell us that it's a go. Okay, so they can sign closing documents, but it's still not final uh, if one party or the other says, wait, wait a minute, I've right. got to check on something. Okay. So it's final documentation that they're signing, but yes, at any point, as a title industry is, is dealt with, is at any point someone comes back and says, whoa, hold the phone. Right. We have to stop and... Uh, it's then, better to stop than to have a dispute. Yeah, yeah. So then we just say, okay, once you come to a full agreement, let us know. Are we keeping it the way that we have it? Great, then we'll mm -hmm. continue to go. Or are there changes that we need to do and we have that time to do that? So sometimes people do get nervous signing, thinking that this is it, the, the date of signature is done. So One of the things I found very helpful in real estate is the... Uh, 
property profile. It's not a, it's not a preliminary title report, but it gets the basic facts about the property, like who owns it, mm -hmm. and uh, and it leans against it, mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes comparable uh, comparable uh, market values. Well, the property profile has. Um it doesn't have the liens per se, all of them, but it does have the con any open deeds of trust. Right. So those types of liens absolutely will be a part of the, the, the contract. So if they're checking for other liens, just let uh, your title uh, person know and we will get that information for you. But yes, that is nice to be able to have that preliminary information up front right. because then it's good information. And uh, we can even provide, there's information, so the APN map, which is the assessor's parcel number map, is really for locating the property. Right. And then if there is another map that's referenced in the legal description, so let's say this is a parcel in a record of survey or a parcel map, we can also obtain that copy of that map, which oftentimes will show easements on there that the APN map does not show. It's so incredible. this is, yeah, it's great information to have up and front. we're just starting to scratch the surface. Mm -hmm. And it's coming time to close the Aww, program. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> and uh, so, uh, Denise, it's such a pleasure having you. Right back at you. And thank, uh, you. thank you for watching Taxpayer Alert. Mm -hmm.